Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. Yes, here's a challenge, making good news out of failure. It's something we all know about. How often is it that we always know what other people think when we fail? We can feel judged, low, regretful, perhaps stubbornly defensive. At that time, probably the last thing we need to hear is what we should have done. But do we ever, in the quietness of our own mind, just stop and consider what God thinks when we fail? In the total scheme of things, what he thinks is really the only one that matters. According to my next guest, God is a forgiving God and no failure. No failure is ever too big or bad to be forgiven. Stephen Roy has written a book called What God Thinks When We Fail which arose from his significant struggles with success and failure. I reckon this is a conversation that will touch every one of us. Stephen joins us now to talk about success and failure. Stephen, welcome to Open House. Thank you so much, Lee. It's great to be with you. Thank you. Really look forward to this conversation, Stephen. I noticed the book is entitled When We Fail, Not If We Fail. That was very intentional because the reality is all of us will fail. One way or another, one time or another, we'll fail at times in our own eyes, at times uh, in the eyes of other people, we'll fail in the eyes of God. And so we need to be able to grapple with failure, not run away, not try and hide, not rationalize it away. What God thinks when we fail is a critical question for all of us. Can we begin with your personal story then? You struggled with this whole question of success and failure after becoming, interestingly, the senior pastor at a church. Where did that struggle start for you, do you think? Well, you know, when I became a a senior pastor in a church here in the States, um, I I realized that I had internalized some false views about the nature of success, what it constituted. Uh, American culture tends to identify success with what's bigger and better, and sometimes we the better is a little more ambiguous. So we just tend to go with what's bigger, and that infiltrates into church context, too. So Uh, Successful churches are the bigger ones, with more people attending and more money being given and more of this and more of that, and that means successful pastors, pastor those kind of churches. And so I found myself uh, looking at all the wrong measures uh, for what constituted success, and I needed to be reprogrammed. So what's the problem with being successful even in a Christian ministry? There's not a problem if we're being faithful to God when we uh, do this. But the reality is, and Scripture tells us this very plainly, it's possible to be successful in the eyes of other people, in the eyes even of ourselves, and not necessarily be successful in the eyes of God. And conversely, it's also possible to be very successful in the eyes of God, even if those people around you don't think you are. So as long as we're seeking to please God first and foremost. As long as we're seeking to trust Him and be faithful to Him, if God is pleased to grant a success in the eyes of other people, that's a wonderful, uh, wonderful thing. But God's the one we're ultimately trying to please. Yes. There was one particular time you write about that you were brought to an all-time low. Tell us what precipitated that and how low did it go? There was one week. I had been a pastor for about three and a half years when uh, 
two elders in our church made appointments to come and talk to me, unbeknownst to each other. Each one of them came to tell me that they were resigning from their position as elder, and they and their family were going to leave the church. When we talked about the reasons for doing this, bottom line, each of them were dissatisfied with me and my leadership as a pastor. Uh, Now, they had their own reasons for it. They were not the same reasons. In the long run, it really didn't have all that much to do with me, but it felt like a really personal attack. Here, these were prominent elders. If they were leaving the church, what would others think? What would that mean about me? You see, I had assumed that I needed to be successful in order to be significant. And if if this was threatening success, what was that saying about me? It was a very, a very uh, wrenching experience. Were you defensive at all, or even accusatory of them? Well, I thought to, I tried to listen. I tried to listen, and I found myself becoming introspective. Maybe they were right. Uh, I, I wasn't so much uh, on the offensive against them as much as as being introspective, and I'm not sure that was all that much better. Um, but that was my response at that point. You and your wife ultimately went to a psychologist called Jack, who said, you're sicker than you think. And I think, thanks, Jack. What did you think when he said that to you? You know, it was um, it was actually hopeful. Okay. Because uh, not, not always easy to hear, you know. He said, you're th- sicker than you know. Totally. But uh, uh, we, I knew we needed clarity. We needed to to know what was going on at at a very dark moment for us. And and what was also hopeful was that those were words that were uh spoken by one who was trying willing to help us. And and so we didn't have that feeling that we were alone in this. And and that's what we all need. When we're trying to grapple with failure in our own lives, whether it's at a, a professional level or a personal level we don't need to be alone. We need we need people to come around us to help support us in the midst of that. And and Jack did that for us. So I'm always keen to be practical. How did you start in practical terms repairing the damage and rebuilding and, and getting better if you were sicker than you thought? Well, Jack was very clear. He talked to us about some things that we needed to do. We needed to um, come clean to our elders and our uh, church as a whole about some of the struggles we were having. It was not an easy thing for uh, a pastor who was concerned about what others thought of him. But we also needed to get reprogrammed. Um, Jack gave us some uh, materials from Scripture, some uh, reading to do to help us get a better, more biblical understanding of what God thinks about success and about failure. We realized that we had some... uh, lifestyle issues. Uh, uh, My life was so busy, I wasn't getting enough sleep. There wasn't uh, time in our schedule to create uh, spiritual and emotional reserves. We need to do some revamping of our schedule. And he said, and this was very helpful, you need some time away. He became an advocate for us with our church, and we took a a month. They gave us a a leave of absence that was really essential for us in uh, kind of doing some reprogramming, and we ended up uh, coming back to the church and uh, being able to share with them some of the things that we were learning. You don't have to be a pastor to struggle with the diary and have an overcooked life. How did you rein that in? We made some pretty difficult decisions. Um, How many evenings a week was I going to be out? 
Um, again, pastors oftentimes are dealing with people at times when they're not working, and so evenings become a key time, and we need to be clear how many evenings we could be out, how we were going to, to handle a time off, how we were going to ensure that there was opportunity for rest and things like that. So it was to try and put some parameters around uh, my schedule. It, it was not always easy, but it was very, very helpful. Again, even beyond a pastor, there are always emergencies and there are always things that come up. How do you deal with that? Yeah, you're right. There are always emergencies. And and um, what, we, what we determined is that we needed to uh, make sure that the normal week had enough uh, cushions in it, mm personally, in terms of my uh, rest and, and refreshment, in terms of my relationship with my wife and with my children. So when those emergency times did come, it, uh, there was enough uh, reserve there to be able to weather the storm. You know, one of the helpful images that uh, Jack shared with us was to think about our lives uh, as swimming in a swimming pool. And when there's a lot of water in the pool, you can have ups and downs and dive down. There's plenty of water to hold you up. But if there's only a couple inches of water in the pool, when the inevitable downtimes come, as they will to all of us, you dive down and you hit your head. Yes. That was where we were. We didn't have the kind of reserves that we needed. And when those reserves are filled up, we're better able to handle some of those emergency times when the schedule just goes crazy. Yeah. On Open House, we're with Stephen Roy who's the author of What God Thinks When We Fail. So you write this book, Stephen. I said before that this tension is one that every one of us knows about. But perhaps the tension, can I put this to you, is all the greater in today's world, the endless struggle to succeed. And that's just not in the United States. Why do you think it is such a challenge today? The struggle is there, to be sure, and it, and it is all over. We have this inner drive. We long to be significant, and we assume that if we're successful, that we will be significant. It, it's that sense of trying to gain value for ourselves through what we do, as opposed to through a relationship, especially with God. Yeah. And so if we get our, our value through what we do, then we have to figure out how we're going to assess that. And we look around at different standards of what it is, and so there might be the standard of wealth or the standard of power, or of accomplishment, or of uh, physical appearance, or, or whatever the case might be. But the world has all manner of standards of success that we feel like we have to measure up to, and so the pressure ratchets up for all of us. Stephen, when we consider God in this, maybe one of the barriers we have to get past is the view that's perpetrated in a fair bit of church life, that God is a judging God and even an angry God almost waiting to trip us up. And that, that is a view that's, that's all too often. You know, God, God is a judge in the sense that he evaluates us, but he does so with a heart of love. He yeah. does so with a desire to help. He does so with a commitment to forgive all of uh, the sins, all of the wrongdoings of his people. He does so as well understanding that not all of our sin, our failure is sinful. Many times, because we are finite beings that have limited knowledge, we'll make a decision that seems the very best to us at any point in time, 
only to have the results be not at all what we hoped for. And we feel bad about that. We regret that. That's not, we're not at fault. It's not a moral kind of failure. We're not sinful. We're not guilty, even though we might have some regret. But when there are sinful times, when we are really, in fact, guilty, our God comes to us with forgiveness through Jesus Christ. So you're saying that God views success differently to how we view success. What is God looking for, do you think, in a successful person as he would see it? You know, one of the the uh, accounts from Scripture that I appeal to that has helped to form some of my thinking comes in the Old Testament when Moses was leading the Israelites in the wilderness. And they got to a certain point in the, the desert where there was no water. And it was a desperate situation. And the people were angry. They were angry with God, but they were also angry with Moses, their leader. And Moses went to God and said, what should I do? And God says, take all the people, gather them together, and take this staff in your hand and speak to that rock over there, and I'll bring water out of that rock. Moses did it, and he, um, he gathered the people together, had the staff in his hand, but he was so angry at these people who kept complaining against him that he hit the rock with his staff, even though God had said, speak to it. God was gracious. God brought water to meet the needs of the people, but he told Moses and Aaron, his brother, he said, because you didn't trust me enough to honor me as holy, uh, you won't enter into the promised land with my people. The problem was they didn't trust God enough to follow his direction. So when you ask, what does God want from us? More than anything else, he wants us to trust him, to trust him enough to follow him. We might call that being faithful, faithful to God. And, and that's what God is looking for. In God's eyes, faithfulness constitutes success, whether or not that's perceived as being really successful in the eyes of the world or not. 